and welcome to Broken Silicon, a PC hardware and gaming podcast. I am your host, Tom, and this is yet, unfortunately, another episode joined by Dan. What did what we used to... At, by Ass Dan. Ass Dan. A reference to the incredibly stupid uh, SNL skit spoofing the insane clown posse. That's right. <laughs> the, the parody... Of the insane clown posse, one of those guys that just called him Ass Dan. <laughs> Which, I mean, let's be honest, that might as well be his real name. Um, not to insult any juggalos who listen, how how are things going in the Northeast, Dan? It's been like no clouds in the sky, gorgeous here in the Midwest. Well, as you know, I've had uh, some issues, some power issues lately. The apparently incredibly stupidly did the wiring in my apartment complex. Are those not done? No, I'm still on a giant-ass power generator. Uh, I lost power the first night, but after that happened, they just have an attendant there 24-7 just staring at the generator. So, What? Has it gone out again since the second time it did? No. <laughs> okay, so how is staring at it? So I'm just wondering, does it start going out and then he cranks it, or what's I, happening? I'm not sure. I'm guessing. Is this guy just running on a treadmill when it <laughs> goes out? I'm guessing. I don't get what he's doing. They're monitoring like the fuel levels on it so they can refuel it instantly when they have to. I don't know, though. Oh, that is probably what it was then. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like the most boring fucking job possible, though. <laughs> yeah. Um... Well, let's hope he keeps pouring that fuel in while we're recording. Yes, I'm sure he will. I haven't had issues in like five days, so. Plus, Jake's a great guy. He's a good fuel guy. Yeah, he's good. <laughs> All right. So before we get into the podcast, though, I do want to just mention, um, you know, if you listen to this podcast in the free feeds, you know, whether it's on the Apple Podcast app or Stitcher, Please give us a review. I looked it up. We have some nice reviews on Apple, but on Stitcher, there's almost nothing. And I've been watching the uh, the numbers, and we're getting up there. We're starting to become a decently popular podcast, but there's like almost no reviews for some reason. So I, I don't, this is where I just am going to shill it. Please, if you listen to us, if you're hitchhiking off the Patreon supporters, please just consider reviewing us on your podcast app. And if you do, I would hope it's a good review, considering <laughs> you're listening and uh, taking the time to review us. But Listening to episodes. Well, we're in the double digits now. I don't know, remember exactly where we're at, but I think we're getting close to 20. Or, well, 20 total, not 20 with me, but... Yeah, we're getting close to 20 total. Yeah, so, I, you know, if you're, uh, if you're not throwing us any kickbacks, consider at least scratching our back a little. <laughs> Anyways. Um, so the first thing I actually want to start with is a content, or what did I call it? No, forum cop uh, video I did last week where I talked about Intel stock coolers. And of course, the as I think me and you would agree, Dan, like, they're terrible, especially nowadays. Intel stock yeah. coolers are terrible. But bad doesn't mean it's going to break your components, right? And that's something I still see a lot of people arguing in the comments section there, like that. This weird misunderstanding that just because the cooler isn't giving your processor as much performance as it could give it, it's still not going to break it. I mean, they wouldn't sell a cooler that damaged components. Yeah, I mean, it's going to limit what you can do with your PC, but it's the, the whole idea that it's just like, well, you can't get to 95 or 100 degrees Celsius. I mean, it depends on the component 
will that do damage? Probably not. Will it make it crash? Maybe. <laughs> I like. I'm sorry. This is like 5G getting you cancer. It will 100% not damage the component. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, this isn't. It could. It might. And I, I just. It's weird. I mean. Well, let me see. In fact, uh, I bring this up because there was a response I gave to someone that I thought was pretty good. And this was from someone, I don't remember exactly what he said, but it was it was to the effect of like, you're an engineer, aren't you? You should know better that hot components can hurt a PC, that heat is the enemy of electronics. And I said, "I that's correct. I am an engineer. I've taken some pretty high-level material science classes. Saying heat is the enemy of electronics, so 100C is bad is like saying weight is the enemy of aeronautics, so this airplane should never carry luggage. (laughs) You are stating an obvious design goal and then obsessing over it like it's a constraint. Goals and constraints are not the same thing. Everything in engineering is a compromise. Now, obviously, you want an airplane to weigh as little as possible, but it's always going to weigh something, and airplanes are built to carry a certain amount of weight. As long as it's not too much weight, as long as the you know under the amount of weight that they plan for while designing the airplane, that airplane is going to fly every time, and it's not going to break any sooner because a lot of people are checking their bags. You would not cause an airplane to break earlier by allowing max luggage on board during its lifespan. Other factors will cause it to break long before any of that stress mattered, and frankly, that stress probably doesn't matter. There's safety factors they're not going to put the throttle point next to where it breaks. (laughs) Intel builds these CPUs to run at a certain temperature and then throttle long before any damage can be done. You can run it at 0C and it won't break later than one running at 100C. In fact, at 0C, for prolonged periods, I would guess it would have a better chance of breaking because it's (laughs) not built to run at those temperatures for prolonged periods. That type of incredibly low temperature actually could call Stressing and fractures, that's something that Cerebrus actually talked about. Anything to add there? Um, not too much else to add. I mean, I, I while talking to you, I think the other night, it, I compared it to like saying, well, th- there's too many explosions going on in your car's engine and your car is going to blow up because there's explosions in your car's engine. Well, a car is designed to have those explosions in their engine, just like a CPU is designed around getting to a certain temperature and some arbitrary 100 degree point that you've decided it is what breaks it doesn't mean it's going to break it. That's just something you obsess over if you obsess over it. Yeah, 100 C is hot for humans. Your PC is not a human. 100 (laughs) degrees Celsius isn't a magic number. Your phenom too, didn't it? have problem didn't it normally throttle at like 60 or 65 c and it would always crash at 70 yeah something like that i haven't had that for years so i don't remember exactly but that what that cpu ran colder than intel cpus of that era did right and that's because that was built to run at that temperature and like the 290x was built to run at 95 c the gtx 480 was built to run at 105 c the fury x would crash if it went above, I believe, 65 or 70 also because of the <laughs> HBM on it. Like, they built those, all of these products to run at specific temperatures. It's not going to break. 100C isn't a magic number. It's 212 Fahrenheit. So if I put it that way, what a random number to be obsessed with. And, th- and that's what someone still disagreed with me. It's like, 100C is a good round number that we all decided on. And I'm like, no one decided on this. <laughs> also, 
100 C is 273, de- no, 373 degrees Kelvin. Celsius is not what scientists use. They use Kelvin, absolute zero Kelvin. And 100 degrees Celsius or 212 Fahrenheit is 373 Kelvin. That's the actual real temperature that things should be measured in if you want to be accurate. And it's like, so why not 380 Kelvin? Why not 400 Kelvin? Why not 350 Kelvin? Like you're obsessing over one way of measuring temperature. It's not even the right way of measuring temperature if you're a scientist. Well, I mean, I don't want all of the water in my CPU to boil away, Tom, so. (laughs) (laughs) I know, it doesn't boil. And and to the people that say it will damage surrounding components, no, it won't. (laughs) It's not like because the CPU is 100C. Everything next to it is 100C. It's nowhere near that. And those components are built to certain temperatures as well. Like if your capacitor on something breaks, well, then whatever you bought had shitty capacitors. <laughs> it wasn't the CPU's fault. Yeah. It, it, I mean, it's just what what temperatures do your components work at? That's what you should be targeting. Don't target some arbitrary number that you've decided is important because you know 100 degrees Celsius is where water boils. I, I That's the only thing I can think of where people always come up with that number. Yeah, we don't know why Intel chose 100C. And I think their newer ones, they actually chose 90 or 95 and their newer laptop chips just because it does run more efficiently at lower temperatures. And then they don't care on desktop. They just crank up the <laughs> voltage. So, I mean, again, like they chose that temperature for a reason. Uh, don't Don't worry about it. Just... Keep in mind that if you're using an Intel stock cooler, that thing's going to get loud. I think the noise is what you should be complaining about. And that fan, I will say that, that fan on the stock cooler will break after, like, I don't know. I've seen some of them last long, but I know our cousins broke after, like, four years. I guess using an Intel stock cooler for four years, it's like a $3 cooler, I believe someone (laughs) told me. Yeah, I mean, get an aftermarket cooler if you can. Yeah, but it... But just because you don't doesn't, doesn't mean, mean it's going to break it. Doesn't mean you're These breaking. are two yeah. different things. Yeah. yeah. All right. But I wanted to talk about that. I thought that'd be a fun discussion. <laughs> uh, so, all right. Let's get into the news. The first story is Intel Comet Lake, which is actually everything I reported in Whispers of Comet Lake six months ago. <laughs> I mean, this, was, this has been well known for a while, though, what this is going to be. It's an over 5 gigahertz 10-core and they're going all the way down to, you know, four cores, eight threads, and i3s. And six cores, 12 threads, and i5s. And in fact, the I, everything looks to be basically matching AMD in price and core count, except, of course, for the 10-core, because yeah. they can't go above 10 cores. They're kind of hosed. Yeah, I mean, these generally look like they'll be decent uh, CPUs, I guess. Um, but yeah, it it's, seems like they're just getting out the strongest things that they have available right now. Would you agree with that? Yeah, and it is 14 nanometer plus, plus, plus. Uh, I, I don't know if I sent that to you or not. I think that's the next story, but uh, they, these will run more efficiently than what they have now. Uh, there's early benchmarks of the newest 14 nanometer. And again, it's another 20% improvement in performance, well, in efficiency, and like a small bump in clock speed again. So I do actually believe Look, uh, if to keep in mind, this is Intel TDP, so I don't think that 105 watts yeah, probably. is what it's going to run at when it's under a heavy load. But I do think it will probably, you know, the 9900K runs it. Yeah, I don't know, 140 watts at stock with you have the core optimization thing on when it's boosting a little higher than, you know, 95 watts. So this 105 watt one, 
I bet it is like 150 watts, 160 watts, and it'll actually boost all cores to like 4.5, 5 gigahertz from time to time. So that that is what that will be. It's just keep in mind, this doesn't come out till, what was it? I believe it comes out like end of quarter one next year. Is, is that correct? It's not coming out this year is what I saw. Yeah, I think I read it's next year, right? Yeah, and, and, and by then AMD will have a 105 watt 16 core, which will be a 4.7 gigahertz boost as well. And yeah, once again, they could be doing speed refreshes. And keep in mind, they might launch Zen 3 uh, pretty soon after this comes out, depending on how early this comes out. That, that's another discussion, but you know. Yeah, I mean, it's just like we constantly say, this is a moving target. So when this comes out, Zen 3 might be in a different place. They might almost be ready to launch by that point. Or, may, or yeah, whenever this comes out, it, uh, AMD is also going to be in another place. So we're looking at a moving target at all times. Yeah, and I Carbon Cry writes in here, and he says, Tom, I think people misrepresented meat comp inside of that Intel scribe. I think it was misspelled. I think it was meat, M-E-A-T comp, and that they're using Cascade Lake to make molecular simulations of that Hossops you tried. There's a joke there somewhere, but I do want to point out, I brought up this reader mail just because they actually did give me hot sauce uh, when I left. Is it good hot sauce? I don't know. Airplane people took it. Oh, yeah, bring it yeah. through security. <laughs> I hid it in his shoe, though. I was hoping they wouldn't notice it. And then they found it, and they're like, why is this in a shoe? I want you to find it. Well, okay. <laughs> That's, We're going to throw it away. And I said, okay. That's probably not <laughs> the best thing to tell TSA as well. I was hoping you wouldn't find it. <laughs> I don't know. It works in some airports I go through. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, all right. So this brings us to story number two. First comment like benchmarks from TechSpot. They found, what what, did you read this? I I think they found the six core mobile processor legitimately is running at 25 watts with just six cores and boosting higher than the previous gen. It looked actually incredibly. Wasn't it uh, 15 watts? Well, you can decide. They ran, they benchmarked it at both. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And it looks like it was actually performing, you know, I, I'm looking here. It performs almost as well as like a 45-watt, uh, what was it, the 8750, no, 9750H, I believe. Yeah, so that it's like 15% weaker than the 45-watt one from the previous gen running 25 watts. And at 15 watts, it's still performs as well as the quad core running at 25 watts. So this is a pretty big bump, honestly. And this, I think, gives us an idea of what Comet Lake is bringing to the table. I mean, I really do think they'll get higher clock speeds and they will maintain TDPs with slightly higher core counts. Um, I mean, yeah, this is a step in the right direction. Like, Comet Lake looks like it has the potential to be a good uh, stopgap generation, at least. Yeah, and you know I'm working on Intel, like how Intel will strike back. Yeah. And I sent you that, uh, you, did you watch, I'm like a third through this big Intel leak video, and part of it, I'll be talking about Comet Lake. Did you watch that? Um, Only Dan's seen it. This is a Dan Sclusy. This is a juicy Dan Sclusy. I have seen the first, like, I don't know what, third of Third, it? probably. Okay, yeah. yeah. And you saw the PowerPoint, too, which I don't want to reveal too much. I'm not sure if this podcast will come out before or after um, my big Intel. I I think I'm probably going to call it Whispers of Golden Cove. We'll see, though. 
Yeah, it looks like they might have decent stuff coming a year to a year and a half from now. I, I guess like some really decent yeah, stuff. When yeah. you say decent, yeah. you mean able to beat Zen three decent. Yeah, something that's <laughs> so a, not decent performance crown taking. Yeah, something <laughs> decent in the next like six to eight months, and then maybe a Zen yeah. killer in a year and a half to two years. Who knows though? What the timeline? That's going to be a bigger discussion after I have that video come out. Uh, I would say, yeah. Uh, I guess one thing I want to say though with Comet Lake, this looks great for laptops. I mean, I still don't know if AMD is going to be able to keep up. Honestly, like Tiger Lake and the Comet Lake refresh. Wouldn't you agree from what I showed in the slides that Tiger Lake looks incredibly impressive too? Uh yeah. And so I, I think, I think AMD is going to have some trouble getting into mobile. Zen three may be slightly better than what they have next year but only slightly. And I think that meat comp thing Carbon Cry brought up, which is Intel talking. They I don't know, did you see that? And they literally had a slide. That was an internal slide that they were showing. They, uh, at, like basically try to buy NVIDIA. I mean, not NVIDIA, buy AMD out of the market. <laughs> right? No, they had a slide where they showed something they called financial horsepower. Oh, they showed yes. AMD's yearly income. No, no one's buying AMD. <laughs> this, no. no, that's not what I'm uh, sorry that I, I didn't put that correctly. Like the the amount of money they have, they can flood essentially. And, and, and that's kind of the argument I'm going to make is if, if what I'm seeing coming out next year is really as good as it looks. And again, I want to be clear. The last third is actually kind of a devil's argument to the devil's or devil's advocate to the devil's advocate of me <laughs> going, now, do I even actually believe this? I believe this is what they're working on, but do I believe they'll succeed? And it's, you know, I... Uh, Intel's failed at so many things. I will just say, let's. I would need to see it to believe it, and I yeah. believe it might be true. I really do think this could all happen. Like Intel's, I'm, and it's because I'm told Intel really is firing on all cylinders now. They're acknowledging that they made mistakes. That's what I needed to hear. They're acknowledging internally that they made mistakes in all meetings, and I'm like, okay, so that's what I wanted to hear finally. Yeah, because if you heard internal discussions last year. It was like even mid-level management was still just completely disregarding AMD for whatever reason. Which is crazy to me because I think they should have been at least freaking out a little bit at Zen 1. Yeah, like... Yeah, like it shouldn't have taken the end of Zen Plus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Basically, which by that, basically Zen 2 rumors to finally wake them up. Like, what, what the heck? <laughs> But uh, yeah, so I guess, yeah, more to come on that. And I guess what I'm saying, though, is I wouldn't buy Comet Lake, guys, outside of laptop. Laptop, maybe, right? But on desktop, if you have a 9900K and you're an Intel fanboy, no, you want to wait for Golden Cove in 2021. You really do. <laughs> um, the Going to two higher cores and higher clock speeds, just just... And just wait for the other platform they're going to want to make you rebuy. Yeah. God knows you don't want to have to buy a new motherboard every year, too. Or maybe <laughs> you do. You're an Intel fanboy. You guys seem to get off on that. All right. Number three. Speaking of good yields, let's talk about bad yields. There was a leaked, uh, well, not really leaked, but a Chinese website benchmark, the R5-3500X. Now, this is a six-core, six-thread uh, R5 processor that seems to be not launching in the US. At least there don't seem to be any plans to do it soon. Did you read this? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm curious I, why they aren't. I mean, I, I guess it could be bad yields. It looks like it would have been a decent competitor to the 95, not, I mean, not 95, 9400F. So, oh, yeah, it would have been better than the 9400F. 
but I'm not sure that's really saying a whole lot there. I mean, it was well, the thing that I found interesting was that it actually used more energy. Like, so this must just be like the dirt, the <laughs> shittiest of the shittiest yields. Well, I mean, yeah, six cores, uh, six threads. So, that means they're not even using a full chiplet and it's doesn't have hyper threading. <laughs> yeah. So they turned that off too. So uh, to get even more, to keep it within, you know, a 95 watt TDP, or I guess they say 65, but it, isn't it? It certainly seemed to be using more than that. Um, yeah, it was 65 watt. I didn't see the power reading. I guess this would be cool, though, for the fact that this would probably be a $150 PCI 4.0 CPU. So I get, I, I don't know who would need just six cores, though, if they need PCIe 4.0. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know that this makes any sense to bring to the US. I mean, especially when you can now get a 2700X for under $180. Like, are you kidding me? 16 threads of Zen Plus or six threads of Zen 2. I'm, I'm taking <laughs> Zen Plus. Yeah, maybe they just deemed this was a pointless product to bring to market. Yeah. Um, I would almost wonder why it makes any sense in any territory. I keep saying this. I really think they should keep making 12 nanometer products that are six cores or maybe even eight cores that just perform not as good as Zen 2, <laughs> but probably are really cheap to make. I mean, that wouldn't be a necessarily a bad idea. Let's, I mean... Intel plays with multiple node sizes all the time now, so. Yeah. Okay, number four. Navi sales are, in fact, doing quite well. In fact, there's evidence it could be up to 100% better than their previous generation of Radeon cards. Uh, AMD Navi is selling really, really well. Wow. <laughs> I mean, I guess this is all about that whole, back to that mindshare thing. It's just... They finally have the mind share. And I saw a lot of tech tubers, um, especially in a lot of the larger channels, just like surprisingly, Navi is selling well. I'm just like, when are people going to get it through their heads? AMD merged with Radeon or ATI. And then once yeah. that happened, everything was tied to the more important component. Every everything has the CPU as like the brain. Like everyone thinks of the CPU as the most important part of a PC. So if AMD yeah. CPUs are junk, they're going to think of all of their products as junk. And I think that's starting to happen at Intel too. I think that's something Intel should worry about. They make all these SSDs and different types of products AMD. and wire wireless cards, which I still think they're like well, easily gold standard on. But Yeah, and soon to be graphics cards as well. But yeah. And people are going to see these as budget products if your marquee product isn't doing well. And, but it's doing very well. AMD's is doing incredibly well. And so people are buying Radeon. And that's, I just remember that one video I did. Of, I don't I remember which one. I think it may have been like, why Navi will succeed at $500 when it was first rumored to cost more than people thought. And I had this whole slideshow of showing people holding like building PCs and like Radeon graphics cards. I'm like, when they build, they're going to choose Zen 2 and they're going to go, it's AMD that I want to check first, not NVIDIA. Why would I not check AMD first? I'm buying an AMD processor. And that's exactly what's happening here. And in fact, remember, they started outselling NVIDIA last the quarter before Navi came out. So it's no surprise they're doing yeah. even better now. It's like, and, and, and again, the fact that they were doing it a quarter before Navi even came out should tell you it's not about the card. It's about the mindshare. Now, it's obviously both. If Navi was $600, no, I don't think it would be. But, you know, 
All things it's, equal, it's half of its mind share. Yeah, I mean, it's just funny when you bring that up that no, it, it really does just start with Zen winning people over and then they're like, oh, well, I guess I'll check AMD. What cards do they have now? It's, which, I mean, I guess that's great for AMD, but, and I do think the 5700 and 5700 XT are good cards. Oh, yeah. But, Especially so. as the 5700 uh, is now, which I tweeted this. $290 with two free games. Comes with Borderlands 3. And I oh, I think it's you choose either Borderlands 3 or uh, the new, I think it's a Bethesda game, right? It's like the Outer Worlds. Uh, I, and maybe Breakpoint too, which apparently yeah. Breakpoint isn't something you probably want, apparently. It's a Ghost bit of Recon a, Breakpoint, right? It has a 58 on Metacritic. Yeah, that was unfortunate. That's like, I mean, I wouldn't have been surprised if it got like a 70, but wow, 58, huh? I mean, that's like a Rotten yeah. Tomatoes 40 or 30. Yeah, I guess that's not the next stupid co-op game we get. <laughs> no, we'll just have to keep playing Borderlands, which I think we're fine with. Yeah, but yeah, back to the 5700. Yeah, um, um, I mean, at 290, I mean, come on, guys. And I think that's where it's going to go to. I think the 5700 is going to gravitate towards 300. And I think you're just going to see the 5700 XT maintain its $400 price point pretty well. I mean, it it beats a 2070. It almost, it's like 5% weaker than a 2070 Super. So at that level, I mean, it's $200 cheaper, right? Yeah, I mean, with the current levels uh, of price levels we have right now, that's a good buy. <laughs> now, with the one thing people say is, well, NVIDIA can do RTX and Edward Edwa Go... <laughs> How do I say this guy's name? Ed- Ed- Edwig... I- Eduig, do. I I have no clue. And E-D-U-A-G-D-O writes into us, just like you can (laughs) if you support us on Patreon. And he says, how about ray tracing and AMD GPUs? I wonder whether the big Navis are going to be 7 nanometer EUV based because the process is already shipping to customers as far as I know. Well, first of all, big Navi, again, I've always said there's two bigger Navis and there's going to be more and more. The next one coming, I believe, is just a little bit bigger than a Radeon 7 and should be around a 2080 Ti performance. And I don't believe that has custom ray tracing hardware. It, Again, it could, but everything I'm seeing, right, is that there's no evidence. No source I've talked to has mentioned it. Literally none of them have. So I don't think it's going to be custom ray tracing hardware. But if we go to story number five, there's a lot of rumors <laughs> that in December, AMD is going to do an update that brings ray tracing to RDNA 1.0. I guess first, what do you think about it? Because I'm, I'm just skeptical on how good ray tracing can even be in general right now. So I think you kind of asked me two questions. I think the first one you asked me <laughs> is how good can it be on AMD? And I, th- I, th- I think it can be, I think you would be, no one should hope for it to be better than what NVIDIA's is. But I Mm -hmm. think it's reasonable to think that it could be competitive in a price performance perspective. In other words, I don't think the 5700 XT, though it is about as strong as a 2070 Super, will be as good as a 2070 Super at ray tracing. But I do think it could be two-thirds as good. Because it is two-thirds the price. That's kind of how I, and that's based on that path tracing mod for Minecraft. Oh, yeah, because that works well on... Which isn't really ray tracing, to be fair. But I just... That's kind of how I think of it is. I think what you're going to see is it's going to be substantially better than Pascal. And it's going to be better than... um, 
any previous NVIDIA architecture that they let run it as a joke. <laughs> but I wouldn't be surprised if the 5700 XT could do ray tracing in some games better than, say, the 2060 can. Okay. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Um, okay. I, I, I mean, I, I, yeah. But I, I don't I think it's getting my... up to the 2080. I'll be very, I will laugh very hard if it is. Yeah, I guess that was my skepticism is I don't think this is just going to make uh, RDNA better at ray tracing necessarily than what the 2070 can do. I doubt it, but it has a lot more. It's very, you know, it has some new functions in the architecture that are pretty impressive. And so I just think, you know, it'll be in between Pascal and Turing. I don't know where it will be in there. I would say the most you should hope for is that it's, you know, again, like 5700 XT is two thirds as good. But if AMD did some optimization, they could easily add in their drivers to turn down some features of ray tracing in Battlefield 5, and maybe they get it to run, you know, 1440p 60 frames or something. But it won't be running as many rays as NVIDIA. They turn it down. And, and that's what Intel did. They just added ray tracing to Intel graphics. Uh, well, to all <laughs> graphics, I believe. <laughs> because in, Intel yeah. is actually more open than people give them credit for. Uh, to World of Tanks. And when I looked into how they did it, they're like, well, we just added it to the parts of the screen that you see the most. So the, the, the tanks have ray tracing projected on them, around them. And in the distance oh, on certain okay. objects, it's shown. But they said in our blind test, most people couldn't tell the difference between NVIDIA and Intel or AMD, I guess, right? <laughs> ray tracing. And it was running fine. It, so it's not running as many giga rays as NVIDIA, but you can't tell, which is my entire <laughs> problem with NVIDIA's ray tracing is the ray tracing all this dumb stuff and why I think the next-gen consoles will use it the best because when you're optimizing to the metal, I could see Guerrilla Games and Horizon 2, for example, saying we're only going to ray trace this type of reflection. We're only going to ray trace water. We're only going to ray trace this type of metal. But it's going to look substantially better than anything NVIDIA is doing and there won't be a big performance loss. But no, we're not going to do rays everywhere, just on these three surfaces that look the best. I'm surprised yeah, they're not and, already doing. And to speak to AMD's future and what they're currently planning for, obviously they're developing some type of ray tracing acceleration. Right. So let me, yeah. So, so, so thank you. So <laughs> maybe there are some nascent features, I don't know, that could already be in our DNA that could be exploited. But well, yeah. And I, I, don't and I just hope they bring it to Vega because I have no intention of getting our DNA for years. I like my Radeon 7. <laughs> it would be nice, yeah. though, if I could play like Battlefield 5, which, surprise, surprise, guys, uh, my Radeon 7 has no problem running Battlefield 5 in 1080p, 144 hertz. Really? So it would, it literally, using the resolution slider, I can go up to, up to 110%, and there's literally no performance drop. <laughs> and I mean literally, which tells you that that it's really interesting that you can it, that literally it's that unbalanced when it comes to how much insane bandwidth it has. But yeah, if I could like get it to 144 hertz and 1080p ray tracing, even if it's you know watered down AMD ray tracing, eh, might be fun. But I'm never gonna do it if it makes me get killed. Right? I'm never. Yeah. Which is and, what's and, going on right now with Nvidia's cards. Yeah, and it, it's still somewhat of a. It's still a little gimmicky, like ray tracing in general it's it's not true ray tracing it's just some better reflections generally speaking right um well not reflections lighting it is real ray tracing but yeah only on very very specific things and they have to like you know really optimize to it 
specifically yeah. if they wanted to run anywhere above, you know, junk frame rates because, <laughs> yeah, because to actually do full ray tracing will require an architecture built around it and it to be at least, you know, five, 10 times stronger than what we have now. Yeah. Which so, could happen in 10 years, five so years, but PS, we're not there. PS6, yeah. maybe, we'll have full ray tracing. <laughs> yeah, if consoles aren't dead by then, smartphones oh, are about to replace PC gaming. I remember hearing that 10 years ago. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it does it. And speaking of ray tracing, NVIDIA's answer, making their own RTX developer. <laughs> I've been talking about this. This is NVIDIA's future. AMD is going to be more open and get more support. They're in all the consoles. They're going to get in good with all the developers. And then NVIDIA will just make their own developer. I mean, I guess if you bought ray tracing, at least, at least they're trying to give it back to you. <laughs> The, oh, the, per God. the pointless feature you bought does have a purpose. You can play old games with, with ray tracing. And, and to be clear, the story we're talking about, and all links are in the description, is NVIDIA has created a game studio to remaster old games with ray tracing, which is just, is oh my God, is that why you bought that <laughs> $1,200 graphics card to play Half-Life 1 in ray tracing or something? Maybe even Half-Life 2. <laughs> Ooh, I do like that game. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I would play it with ray tracing if it got the support, but if it does, I'm sure AMD will be able to do it well. You know, it, it, although NVIDIA will probably release it and then have like a lockout to AMD cards. Like, oh my God, this was a future of PC I thought about years ago that I was really worried about. Like, what if they got to a point where there were PC exclusives to AMD? Well, I mean, that was the, it was a bat. Which they did that once, by the way. Uh, Half-Life Lost Coast was exclusive to AMD processors for a year. I did not know that. Mm -hmm. uh, but I mean, there was, wow, I, there was also that uh, Batman uh, GameWorks thing where <laughs> essentially they secretly, well, they secretly added in like a, I can't remember, what was it? Like the in, game in the I and I file or something, there was something that was literally making the game not run on certain AMD graphics cards or something. Yeah, I think it's if you turned on a certain feature, the game couldn't run with AMD graphics cards, which. Yeah, that had me worried. Like, what is the future of gaming? Are there, is it, is it going to be like a Skunks Works campaign but with each graphics card company? Like, is that what they're going to try to devolve the space into? I don't know. I just wish they could make better profit. I mean, better products. And if you look at the yeah. other link I put here too, I, I can't verify that this is legit, but there's more links. There, there, there's more leaks coming out of, NVIDIA paying more and more YouTube channels under the table to talk better about their cards. And it, there's some hints to which channels and stuff. And I guess I'll... Uh, oh. Which I know they are, guys. Again, I've seen the proof myself. There are some channels, and I've been very open about some of them that I've suggested it, right? Like Digital Foundry, I'm pretty sure, is one of them. Uh, is literally getting bribed to talk badly about AMD cards. Literally, you have channels where it's like, don't take their opinion on anything then. Because if they can compromise that part of their opinion, I can't like that. I don't go to Digital Foundry anymore because it's you waste of time. It doesn't matter how I good mean, some of their content is, and I do say that some of their content is really good, really good. But they've just compromised themselves. They do all those um, like Digital Foundry. Are they the people that do like all the PS4 versus Xbox One graphics? Yeah, and those right? are really nice. Yeah, those are good. Those are good videos, but. Maybe, and maybe Sony should pay them off to uh, make Xbox look worse. To only, yeah, to only show the best segments of the game or something like that. Yeah, which is clearly what they did with the Navi launch. Or just, 
Now have a PS4 logo in the corner if they're ever <laughs> showing Xbox content. Yeah, just um. like Zoom. <laughs> Again, just, so people know what I'm talking about. Go watch the 5700 XT review uh, on Digital it, Foundry. It was the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. Anytime AMD was winning a benchmark, they minimized the screen showing the game running and they zoomed in on that pompous dipshit who runs the reviews. <laughs> and he just goes, and this is why you should really want ray tracing in the future. And in the background, AMD <laughs> has the 5700 XT beating the 2080 in Battlefield 1. And then he yeah. zooms in on the Witcher and he's like, but here we are in the Witcher and it's not as good in this game. And then he zooms out again <laughs> in another game where the 5700 XT is beating the $700 2080. Or I guess at the time, then $800. And he starts talking about ray tracing again. Like, what a dumbass. Does make me almost think, like, what if some of these YouTubers are just, like, secretly trying to, like, say their actual opinion, but they can't because they're afraid of getting locked out? Like, every time I'm winking. (laughs) I've seen some videos where they, like, really, really emphasize AMD really well at one part. But then they put in all the stuff you can tell the NDA and NVIDIA sent some of these people. Like, I have seen that too. I won't say which channels. It's just so sad. And the good news about Moore's Law is dead is everyone hates me. So this will never get any support from any of them. (laughs) And and to uh, be clear, uh, what we're talking about is um, a person on Reddit that claims to be a semi-big tech channel. And he made his account. Which again, I, 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 there's no proof I have on this one. I have proof on the other one. This one, I'm not sure. Okay. Yeah, I, I mean, without outside verification, it does make me a little apprehensive. The claims a little right. bit, but it does seem like this could definitely be true. And I've seen evidence from other channels that it seems like some channels are worried about being blacklisted. Uh, and I've been told that by some smaller channels too. Yeah, uh, I'm not saying they're getting paid. It's just they might be threatening a blacklist, which I'm sure a lot of channels rely on being given access to these cards to actually put the content out that they need to make. And that's one thing I want to say is that's never going to happen with us ever. I actually thought about it, right? We'll get to it later, but literally it sounds like the new Threadripper and 3950X come out on my birthday. And I was thinking (laughs) about it today while walking the dog. I was like, you know, here's the problem though. If AMD sent me that any of those CPUs for review. First of all, I would tell them it has to be an ITX or micro ATX motherboard they send because I'm not <laughs> bothering with the test rig thing. So, you know, I never really intend to be a big testing channel. But also, like, I would be very open to them, though. I'm going to do the review I want to do. And my review would just be, what does it feel like going from a 6700K to a 24-core Threadripper? <laughs> you know, and I'll do a few benchmarks, especially focusing on gaming and rendering. Um but that's all I'm going to do. I'm not going to hit every point you put in the re- any review guide. I'm not going to say this has to be great. What I will do is give my honest opinion, though, and I'll tell you I'm inclined to say your thing is good, or I would tell them ahead of time I'm inclined to say I don't think it's going to be as good. So if that's yeah. not, and I'm not, I'm also, I want to keep it. So if you send it to me, I have to hook all this up and install Windows. I have a day job. I don't have time to do all this. So so that's what I would say is, yeah, I'll take these gifts. Uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I want the CPU, send it to me. But I would have to be well, very upfront with them that I'm not going to do any review guide. And it's going to be the review I want to do. So I don't know if I'm ever going to be sent anything. I was thinking of that today. Yeah. And I and, and I, I kind of hate benchmarking 
giant. I, I like uh, overclocking, but I kind of hate professional benchmarking. So yeah, well, yeah, I could see that being incredibly tedious. But yeah, that was just the last point I wanted to make on this is the issue with like reporting on you have to the companies you're trying to criticize you also have to you're working at their pleasure like that like they they can decide to just blacklist you and then you have to buy all of your stuff any now and if you're like a semi not a huge benchmarking channel it's just they might not be able to afford to do all of that and it's just yeah <laughs> I, I i can feel for the people i guess that, that i'm saying that do uh decide to shill for nvidia a little bit just because well, what else are they going to do? Let their channel fall apart completely? It's it's just a, between a rock and a hard place. Well, there was this one point where me, Paul, and Chris all had videos come out on like the same day about this, <laughs> which is not <laughs> odd. We do that all the time. But I think Chris said it very well. I really like what he said. He's like, and so here's what I'm going to say. I talk to you other channels and you creators on these other channels, some way bigger than me. And uh, I'm not going to share this because if I shared it, it would give away my source. But I know what you're doing. I just want you to know, I won't name any names, but he like looks into the camera. I know what you're doing. I know what you're doing. <laughs> and it's obvious to a lot of your fans what you're doing. And that's all I have to say is I know what you're doing and I hope it's worth it. And I, I can't say it better than that. I think Chris nailed it with that point and good old gamer. Um, and I'll say I'll never do that. I, I, I've been very open. Some people get mad at me for admitting this. I'll happily accept gifts or money. Send me money. Go for it. <laughs> but I'm never going to promise anything for anything I'm sent, people. That's what I want to be very clear about. And I promise you, no matter what they send me, even if I keep it, I I'm never going to promise anything in return to AMD, Intel, NVIDIA, ARM, Jingping, <laughs> whatever else comes in the future. <laughs> Isn't that what they were? Jingping? Oh, no. I can't remember the name, the name of the company right now. But. Start with a J. <laughs> Uh, yeah. anyways, let's move on to number seven. Speaking of ray tracing in December, in December, supposedly the RX 5500 is also coming out around then. Great segue, right? <laughs> I nailed it. Great. <laughs> Great segue. Uh-huh. <laughs> so what did you, did you look into the specs of this graphics card? I think I've talked about it a few times on my channel. Uh, yeah, I mean, what? It's a low-end graphics card, right? Like, Right. It's 128-bit GDR6, 8 gigabytes of RAM, uh, probably a 4-gigabyte option, probably a 200, 150 for the 4-gigabyte, 200 for the 8-gigabyte. This is something that I think I put here in the notes. I, it literally looks like a more efficient 590, like, uh, like a 140-watt yeah. like yeah, yeah. 590. And what's funny is the mobile version of this card uses like 75 watts. So they're definitely giving us the dregs on desktop from what I'm told. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's a 1660 except 8 gigabytes RAM instead of 6 and it will be cheaper. So that's cool. Yeah, I and co sign buying that then. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and if it really is 150 for the 4 gigabyte version, I mean, there you go. Arc, look, the RX 590 is a fantastic 1080p 144 hertz card. You just run yeah. it like it really is. Like I remember the 590 doesn't have as much bandwidth as Vega 56, but its compute is like within 90%. Like, uh, don't quote me, people. I'm not saying it literally is, but like I just noticed that in 1080p, it would sometimes be within 10, 15% of the Vega 56. And so, yeah, if you're a 1080p 144 hertz gamer, which is a resolution I recommend a lot, it's what I use. Yeah, it's $150 for a four gigabyte version. You're not going to need more than four gigabytes. 
That's solid. But they have no reason to bring this out now when they're still selling Polaris cards for 120. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I'm assuming they're trying to get through all of those stocks before they release any of their lower end uh, SKUs for Navi, right? Yeah. And what I'll say about that too is if you want to get Polaris, again, guys, uh, people keep saying, I just wish there was a solid 1080p guard card for cheap. And I'm like, yeah, it's been out since, you know, 2016. Go get a 570. <laughs> uh, yeah, just buy an older card. And it's fine. AMD's not going to stop supporting GCN for many years to come. Stadia uses it. Consoles use it. GCN is a standard. And so don't worry about it. Yeah. In fact, they brought, what is it? They brought the image. I recently saw they brought that image optimization thing to Vega. So, I mean, I guess I have that now if I want to improve image quality for like a 3% performance hit. I just haven't touched it. So, mm-hmm. like, they'll bring that. They're going to bring most of the features to Polaris as well. I don't think you need to worry. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I've seen some people say this too. Why do you keep pretending there's not going to be like a 5600 XT? And it's like, well, from what I can tell from what's happening here, they're calling this the 5500. I thought this was going to be the 5600. So, this is a 1408. Stream processor graphics card with eight gigabytes of GDR6, probably for around 200 bucks. So think about it. If that's the 5500 and then there's the 5700 and 5700 XT, I think uh, mid to big Navi, then the RDNA 1.0 big card coming out at the end of this year is going to be 5900 then, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's what, and then I hear people go, well, I mean, why don't they have. So are they not bringing out a more cut-down Navi 10? And I'm like, have you guys noticed the rumor is this is called a 5500? Where is the 5500 XT? Well, and I guess that was my, uh, what I was thinking too when I first read this is, I think they could call that, the call what the 5500 XT is a 5600 because the... They could. The potential performance difference. Yeah, I, I mean... We're get, we are literally getting into semantics where they literally could call this. Oh, no, Dan. They'll say all my information is false if I move one number. Yeah. They, they could decide uh, we're going to launch this and call it the uh, R7 uh, turd bag. Like they, yeah. could, they could do that last minute. And I mean, that would be a better it's, naming scheme than the R, R9285. So, <laughs> yeah, it, it's. Uh, Based on what it looks like, the performance difference might be. It would, sounds like they could call it a fifty six hundred, and then maybe segment if they potentially could segment and add in a fifty five hundred XT later. But I guess I don't know what their full lineup. What their well, so this is my argument too. Like when I look at the fifty five hundred, which is fourteen hundred and eight stream processors, one twenty eight bit GDR six. I'm like, this should be like forty percent. I mean, yeah, it should it should be. Like like sixty percent weaker than the fifty seven hundred. So like in between that, there could be a situation where they have a seventeen ninety two stream processor Navi ten card, mm-hmm. and then they just use like the slowest GDR six they can get. Mm-hmm. And, and even those two fifty six bit, I still think it would be twenty percent weaker. It'd be a lot stronger than the fifty five hundred, like up to forty percent stronger. But it'd still be twenty percent weaker than the fifty seven hundred. So I mean. Uh, I don't know. They could s- totally do that. Uh, this whole rumored 5600 XT, which I have been told they designed. They have designed a 1792 SP Navi 10. This is pretty well documented, I think, actually, all the way since Adored's original leaks. It's just if they decide to release it, if they need to release it, if the yields have gotten so good they don't need to. That's a thing, too, I guess. Yeah. But, I mean, I think that's totally an option, and they just use 
you know, bottom of the barrel Navi 10s for 5,500 XT. <laughs> and, and to the yeah, people that, that are like, why are they disabled? Why are they, you know, because the full Navi 14 die is 1536 stream processors. So going to 1408, why would they do that? It's like, well, that's what they did with the 460. Remember the RX 460 and the RX 560? Like they launched <laughs> the RX 460 with some disabled compute units. And trust me, they will use the full best yields on some Apple product or something. Yeah, I mean, it's just a matter of what's <laughs> what can they sell? Like, if, if they can disable certain cores or release the full die, they're going to do it in, to some extent, right? Like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. All right, let us move on. I snuck this one in at the end. Uh, number eight, PSVR 2 leak comes out yet again. And this is something I talk about in detail in the last episode of Broken Silicon. Wi-Fi 6 is a huge deal. It's basically zero latency Wi-Fi, obviously not zero, but they say pretty much almost exactly as good as Ethernet. And it can project within a room, and that means they can use the Wi-Fi 6 card to communicate with PSVR 2 and use it for VR gaming. And yeah, PSVR 2 looks like wireless. There's some cameras on the VR device so that it can do a better job of sensing where it is in the room. In fact, an interesting part of this article I saw is that it can use the dual front cameras to let you look where you're walking. Like if you want to yeah. press a button quick and make sure you know where you are in your room, which I like that idea. For a second, I was confused about what they were talking about with like, what was it called? Transparent mode. Then I realized, oh, there's two cameras. So what? Just position yeah. where your eyes are, I guess. Yeah. The thing that confuses me a little bit with the cameras is, so the cameras are being used to track your position. Yes. Is that how they, that's how they triangulate Because it'll, be su- it'll be substantially more accurate if the cameras also have, if, if the VR device on your head also has cameras on it doing its own, you know, calculations okay. as to where everything is. It, it's it's so actually I, a significantly more accurate method than putting shit around you. Why would you put stuff around the person watching them when you can just have everything tracked from where your head is? Well, because uh, my thought would be that there needs to be some type of anchoring thing, like the PSVR tracks where you are relative to three, four, five, six, whatever, however many they want. I I don't think they're ever going to do that, though. At least if I worked at Sony, I would tell them not to. I'm never going to do this thing that Vive did where they like set up like this square in your living room. F that. I don't want to set that up. What they might do, though, is still have the front camera with the move controllers and then also put cameras in the headset device so it can kind of tell, well, you know? Because, again, I'm not setting up a square in my room, guys. Well, yeah. I mean, and even with just the motion tracking they had with PSVR 1, it was pretty, pretty accurate, I would say. Like, I didn't have super huge mm-hmm. issues while using it. I mean, so hyper-accurate and maybe allowing for faster movement with PSVR 2. Right. Like, so they have a dual camera in the front now, just like oh, well, they do currently with current v- PSVR. And so you have two cameras at your TV looking at you, and so it can see in 3D. And then they just add three more cameras to the headset or something. Yeah, yeah. And that should be enough. And it's <laughs> again, guys, it's wireless. So there'll be a charging station. You put it on your head. And I and everyone goes, wait, how is that going to work? No, no, it everything I've read is Wi-Fi 6 is literally low latency enough to have the PS5 run the game locally and send it to your headset without it having noticeable latency like one millisecond or something and they they say that's just good enough where it's totally worth removing all the wires i mean yeah and that's the big thing with a wi-fi 6 and 5g it's that's the big revolution is just eliminating latency at Mm -hmm. at a close distances with wireless technology where 
it just being able to send that much data that quickly over wireless. Yeah. And, and I only bring this up now because I just I want to point that out again. I, I just think this is really cool that this is coming maybe next year, but I somewhat wonder if they'll launch this after the PS5 comes out. Yeah, I mean, I guess... I mean, I don't some, know, though. I don't know. For some reason, my intuition is that it was going to come out and, uh, in, like, March or April of the year after it came out. Like, I think... It's a good Chris idea. Reagan, I, I think Chris... Uh, on Sacred Symbols. Uh, Sacred Symbols said that, which we plug that podcast a lot, it seems. But <laughs> yeah, That's one of our favorite. Hey, Sacred but Symbols yeah. is a good podcast. It's actually not a PlayStation gaming podcast. It's just a good gaming podcast. Yeah, that has an emphasis on PlayStation. Yeah, an emphasis, but, but they play Xbox and stuff. But no, that's what he said. And first, I guess I don't know if that makes like any objective sense, but that intuitively makes sense to me why they would do that. Just release the next big thing like five or six months later. Yeah, I'm just thinking of it right now, actually. I don't think it makes sense to launch it at launch. Like You don't want to be like, here's this $400, let's say, VR device. Well, Maybe it's 300. Who knows? But, you know, it's 1440p per eye, 120 hertz. It has a battery in it. I don't know. At least 300. Well, how many people are going to be spending, I would assume, minimum price for the PS4 is $400. Max, I would say, is probably five. PS5, you mean? Yeah, sorry. PS5 is going to be four to $500. PSVR the 2 most, is probably going to be... And, and I, I like this number. This is a doofus number, but it's like, no, no, no. If it was up to me... Depending on the performance and cost, I'm like the highest you go is 529. I think that's I, just low enough that no one would freak out. But the second you go to 550, they're going to compare it to the PS3. I think 529 is the highest they could go. Although 499 is obviously the magic number for the level of performance they're targeting. I think. But yeah, so like I think what you're going to say, right? Like if you bring out a 500 device, do you really want to announce? A $400 device yeah. with it. So what we're asking you to spend $900, and even if that's not really what it is, like some sites are going to spin it as Sony asking you to pay $900 next gen. Like, <laughs> well, also, and I just, so what I was about to say though, is what I just thought of is, and do you really want to just launch it at launch? They're already trying to have a huge launch lineup when the console comes out. Do you also want to tell developers we need four VR games at launch? I mean, that's also true. It seems like most of Sony's major devs are like, know what they're doing right now. Like they, <laughs> Yeah, they're not VR games is what I've been told. <laughs> so yeah. I think it would make sense to launch VR the year after and just like, or, or yeah, I think I, like the next Christmas, like maybe you just do a price drop to 450 and then you're like, here's a $300 VR device and we have these launch games. Like I just, I think it makes sense to spread it out at least like you say, at least to like March or six months. You got to spread it out a little. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so the only reason I bring this up again is it's like, you know, this is really, it comes down to hardware. And this is interesting hardware. And I think for right now, VR is niche, but it's here to stay. You have, uh, I think there's 3 million PSVR devices sold. Uh, and, well, actually, and I looked like that up. Half a million Vives or something. Well, not Vives and Oculus no. combined, or what is it? So I looked that up actually while I was listening to the uh, Network Engineering podcast. Um, so I, I remember hearing that. The PSVR has about a 1 in 20 install rate. Um, I mean, attachment rate. Uh, so the PSVR has sold like 4.2 million units so far. So that's and niche, think, but it's not It's it's not that niche anymore then. No more niche than a smaller AAA game. It's no right. more niche than Bloodborne, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it's sold pretty well. And it's For a VR device. Later. 
And it's so, and it's clearly the no. I'm just saying for no. A piece I know, of but tech, I just want to emphasize well. that because I know. Yeah, yeah. I know this is mostly a PC hardware gaming podcast, and it's just like you guys got to understand though. Like if you combine Oculus, Vive, everything else out there, it's not even a. It sounds like to me not. I don't. I believe that maybe if you combine literally all PSVR's competitors, it's like one million. So it's not. I'm not yeah. a fan. I'm telling you, PSVR is the standard for VR. And so yeah. the next so gen like, will probably be as well. So it'd be like saying, well, I mean, the, the GameCube is competing pretty well against the PS2. I mean, that's <laughs> an equivalent argument. Yeah, that's a good comparison is those are the number of differences we're talking about is GameCube versus PS2. So yeah, I mean, I, I just I just point that out because I think VR is never going to go semi-mainstream, which I think the next stage is semi-mainstream. VR will be mainstream when it's wireless. When anyone can get it, the total cost is 300 bucks, honestly. And I mean, you don't need a gaming PC. My mom can go to the store and get it for 300 bucks and like look at whales underwater or something. I don't know what she does. But I'm saying that's what it would take for mainstream. Don't you think about 300 bucks and then maybe $1,000 for the ultra high end? Yeah, I guess. I, it, for me, it's I, I really don't know what it takes to get to mainstream because it's just, I feel like it's just a product that you're not going to want to use all the time. Like, I think the future that Ready Player One predicts is preposterous, where everyone is in their VR he- headsets all the that's time. That's a whole other podcast, Dan. You're getting <laughs> off topic. Yeah, that's a di- that's a die shrink. But n- I guess what I'm saying is, I don't know what it takes for me- VR to get completely mainstream. But I think like, what I'm saying is, a next-gen console that can do it wirelessly, do it wirelessly well with 1440p per eye, with a console that's as powerful as a 2080 Ti, that's what it will take for it to become semi-mainstream. Right now, yeah. PSVR is 800 bucks for playing Resident Evil 7 well. And that's about it. And, yeah. and Super Hot is awesome. And of course, was it Beat Saber? And all those other games are great. They're great. They're great games. They seriously are. You should play them <laughs> if it's cheap. And again, I, I paid 150 for PSVR. So I'm happy paying 150. But I won't be buying this next, I won't be buying any $500 PC device where I need to download drivers and set everything up. I think this is what it would take for VR to not be niche anymore. And that's why I think it's a big deal. And like, and then after this, you'll get your 8K per eye PC version and all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, well, yeah. I guess you're right with that. It's just the amount of setup it ta- required, even for the most simple to set up VR device, the PSVR, it's, it's kind of annoying. And it's I, very that annoying. is a limiting factor. And based on my understanding of every other VR device, it's way more annoying than even PSVR is. <laughs> The last thing I'll say about this is it's like, it's annoying, but it is an experience. So if I set up VR once a month, which is probably generous, uh, (laughs) uh, you know, and then I play for just two hours on a Saturday when I have a lot of free time, it was worth it to go through the catacombs and Resident Evil 7 DLC, terrified, and then take off the device and I burn 500 calories and stuff. Like, you know, (laughs) it's worth it though for that. It's like I went... It's like I went to another world. So it is, and that's where we're at now, is it can basically do anything, but it's cumbersome and annoying and there's not enough stuff. I think the next stage will be, we're to a point where even mid-level gamers, not even the most hardcore will want this. But it won't be mainstream. Yeah, yeah, I I, I agree with that. I, I mean, but if it becomes mainstream, that'll be awesome. And again, I bring it up. I know it's PlayStation, but it's like, look, I don't think VR is going to be mainstream on desktop where you need to build a PC. Or even get a pre-built one, and then you need to buy this $1,000 headset 
Like, you know, it, this is what it takes fixed function. VR really is kind of built for fixed function hardware because it's already annoying to deal with. So removing as many barriers as possible is really necessary right now. Yeah. Okay. Number nine. Arcturus pops up once again. I reported this a couple months ago. It was one of my famous or maybe infamous for some of them whispers videos mm-hmm. where I talked about how it seemed like there was a lot of evidence that there is an 8,192 stream processor Vega being worked on. Did you read this? Yeah. It's, the article is translated from Chinese, right? Chinese? Yeah. So it's a little wonky, but I actually Google Translate did a pretty good job with this one, generally speaking, I would say. And there were a couple other sources regarding this, but this was the original one. So I do want to start giving credit mm-hmm. to the original sources whenever I can. Yeah, and you should. That's a good practice. What it looks like is, it looks like they talk about how it could literally be three times the performance of the Radeon 7.2 in certain rendering and like compute tasks. Which, yeah, this is mainly a big compute card, like for more professional tasks, not necessarily gaming. I think a big takeaway from this, though, is that if this is true, that means uh, 64 CUs isn't a limit to... It never was. Yeah, They they always said it never really was. That's just where it scaled best. And now that they don't need to worry, because before Vega, I look, Vega was built for number one compute, Number two, it was built for low-power mobile, which is why if you look at the mobile Vega APUs, they're actually very efficient, competitive with Pascal. But then when you scale it up for gaming, it's horrible. And number three was AI. Number four was high-end gaming. Four. Even though that's number four, they still had to take that into consideration. And so that's why they stopped at 64 compute units. It also is like, you know... If you look at the die size, they're already at like 500 millimeters squared on 14 nanometers. So, like, you know, are they really going to go bigger than that? I mean, technically they could have, but why? Um, and that's why, but they always said, like, we can go bigger. And I think I even heard the original rumors that there might not even be display outputs for this card. Like, it really might just be like an AI and compute card. And yeah, I mean, I think they should do it. A bunch of HBM again. 128 compute units. This is AMD Unleashed. They have more money now and they have a gaming-focused architecture called RDNA. And now they can just take GCN and continue to iterate on GCN as a compute architecture. I hope this is true, though. Again, it's still rumor. I wouldn't say it's 100% confirmed. I know Cortex has a couple theories about it himself. But I mean, right when I heard this, I was like, I actually think it makes sense to just make a Mega Vega. Um, I mean, it does make sense. Like, if Vega is better at compute tasks than uh, RDNA is, why wouldn't they keep developing Vega? Mm-hmm. But, yeah, do you have anything else to say about that? Um, No, not really. All right, <laughs> number 10. AMD Sister Architecture. Another leak, guys. I've been talking about this, how AMD is working on a sister APU architecture. This is one of the links, Dan. I've seen a couple other sources, but this one's just straight up on Reddit. And it's talking about... Yeah, what, what is the source from this on Reddit uh, that I was a little confused about? Uh, just someone who leaks stuff often. Okay. <laughs> okay. Go on. But then. yeah, so... The rumor is that they are designing a Zen 2 APU that is still 7 nanometer, monolithic, 8 cores on a single chip. Um, yeah, monolithic eight cores and a, uh, 
I think it doesn't actually say the architecture of the GPU. It could be Vega or RDNA. But guess RDNA, but maybe not. You never know. Uh, they no. do. They. Yeah. Uh, I mean, again, this is something where people go, "Why? Why don't their APUs have RDNA yet?" And I'm like, "Do you guys well, remember the original APUs? I mean, they were using Phenom architecture for two <laughs> years, and then they were still not." You even when they added, remember, pile driver or excavator cores, they were still using um the Terra scale architecture pre-GCN yeah, yeah. all the way yeah. until 2013. Like or 14. Yeah. Like, so yeah, and their their last line of their last line of APUs used Vega, didn't they? Or am I misremembering? Of course. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, I guess they could keep going with. Vega on this, but I mean, RDNA seems like it might be the superior gaming architecture. But this isn't just for gaming. This is an APU to do all types of tasks on a laptop. And let me point this out. Yeah, that's I don't true. know why people just don't get this. Vega is incredibly efficient at small die sizes. That's true. And based on this leak that I'm looking at, it's they're eliminating the L3 to add a GPU, correct? Um, Which yeah, that they'll Possibly. be removing some. So again, this is a mo- this is yeah, a yeah. mostly Zen two architecture, but it'll be slightly different, and it'll be a little cheaper to make. And I, what this what excites me about this though is that um, if this is true, I love the idea of. Um, oh, I find it interesting. It's on seven nanometer. I guess I, I keep think I really thought they might do like a six core on twelve nanometer FDX, but. Man, if they go to eight cores on seven nanometer, that's gonna be one hell of an APU. Yeah, I know, and that—that's that, what's. It, it seems to be exciting as they do seem to keep making these APUs that have actually pretty robust CPUs and decent graphics cards. On. Yeah, and I don't. It doesn't say anything about the pe- performance. I mean, it, I guess this one says fifty. Yeah, I mean, uh, it it just seems like uh, we have no idea how strong the GPU will be in it, but it it could probably be i'm guessing 16 compute units at most though i guess i think i think it will be more than before but i i still don't expect them to go super big like 24 yet like 20 or 20 yeah well, they could though i mean i have no idea if they'll get that to work well but the one thing i will say is i think this will go well in some budget some budget laptops but this seems higher performance than what i would think of as a jaguar replacement well, and maybe maybe this is the top end of the APUs though, and they do something way lower end for it would I, I don't know, like a hundred thirty like a hundred or a hundred thirty dollars like or something like that. It would blow my mind if they don't make a cheaper twelve nanometer like bobcat replacement or your cabini replacement thing. Like, yeah. Like and again, I, I would think of that as having six cores, maybe no hyper threading. And a GPU as strong as a 560. Like, and then they could sell that dirt cheap. Like, I, it really would surprise me, but I don't know. So far, still no evidence of AMD using 12 nanometer FDX, which is something I talked about with Carbon Cry, who's the <laughs> editor for Moore's Law is Dead. And, you know, we were both talking. He's like, I think, but he's like, but I think 12 nanometer non FinFed at Global Foundries is a really cool node. And I'm like, I do too. But like, I this is yet another leak of a new product that's still not using it, and like, and we know that Navi fourteen isn't using it, and that was one thing I was like, they could totally put Navi fourteen on twelve nanometer, like why not? Good enough for a budget card, and they still aren't, and I'm like, but so I don't know. I guess all seven nanometer, maybe Global Foundries did screw up by not moving to seven nanometer. 
But yeah, I mean, and AMD, I, I can't remember the ex, uh, specifics of the contract, but there's some contract between AMD and with filling Global Foundry orders, isn't there? Kinda. Barely anymore. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess as they become more removed from one another. It's... Well, they keep getting <laughs> new contracts. I mean, they don't yeah. really have to that much anymore. In fact, the new contract is they only have to fill orders for 12 nanometer or for everything above seven because Global Foundry's decided to not move to it. Like, I don't know. Mm -hmm. And it seemed like a really shrewd business decision at first, but it's looking more and more like perhaps Global Foundry's completely shot themselves in the foot. Yeah, and AMD was just completely able to develop all these technologies on seven nanometer. (laughs) Because, I mean, think of TSMC. Like, Global Foundry said to themselves, well, it's just going to cost too much. We can do it. And in fact, they were planning to have a seven nanometer better than TSMC. But they're like, we're not going to make our money back for years. Well, TSMC now can just say, great, we're going to build new fabs. They're going to keep building new fabs and scale up seven <laughs> nanometer. They're like, good, have fun on 12 nanometer. No one's going to want your 12 nanometer. I- I'm not saying that's what's happening, just for everyone listening. Yeah, yeah, I just, yeah. I really worry that's what's going to end up happening to them. I don't know, though. I guess we'll see. I, I-, I will say this. If I don't see any graphics cards on 12 nanometer FDX, and and if the Cabini replacement, which obviously what we just talked about is too powerful to be the Cabini replacement. If the Cabini yeah. replacement is also on 7 nanometer, <laughs> Global Foundry's fucked up. That's where I go, oh, wow, they're not getting <laughs> anything. But I guess we'll have to see. Yeah. We will have to see. All right, number 11. What do you think about Threadripper, Dan? few leaks came out recently. I think I sent you another article last minute that's not on here. Um, so what? It, it, essentially, we know that we're going to l- know about Threadripper in a couple weeks. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it says November 5th. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm excited to see what Threadripper has to offer. I mean, you and I talked about this. I feel like the most likely configuration is going to be 16, 24, and 32 cores or something like that. That's I, what... I, I, I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. Are you saying that's what you think or me? That's what I think. So you also <laughs> think 16, 24, 32? Yeah. I'm not sure. I think it's 50-50. What's interesting with that new link I sent you, though, is that they talk about that TRX-80 chipset some more. What I know is this. TRX-40, the successor to X399, is coming out this year. That's what's coming out. There's no leaks of TRX-80 coming out, despite what WCCF Tech is talking about. That might be coming (laughs) early next year, though. And that might be what the 3990X is on. But I still just think that's weird. Because what I've read about TRX-80 is that it doesn't allow overclocking. It has eight channels of memory. It's literally the competitor to that 28-core, eight-channel chipset Intel has. Remember, Dan, Intel has a HEDT chipset above yeah, yeah, yeah. 18 cores. And so yeah. I get why AMD would do that. Why not? They don't need to, but why not? Why not completely destroy that higher end chipset as well with an eight channel option? But I don't get why. Do you agree that would be bizarre if they had a, so let's say this is let's because let's say the 3960X is 24 cores and you can overclock it. Let's say the 3970X mm-hmm. is 32 cores and you can overclock it. And then they call a 64 core, you can't overclock the 3990X. Why would they do that? That would be a WX if you can't overclock it. Yeah. I think 
Again, that's my logic. I don't get why they would do this. What I know is I trust video cards, what they're willing to report. And they say the 3990X comes out January. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I really think it's one of two options. I think it's 162432, and then that's it. They've just decided to only use four channels, memory channels for now, because it's good enough. Or it is indeed 2432 launching this year, and then next year they launch a 48 or a 64 core on TRX 80. I think that's a, okay. I think that's a solid option. I, for me, I really think it's 50-50, guys. And I know I sounded okay. much more bullish about the <laughs> limiting it to 32 cores in my video, which I, I made a whole one-hour video about that on my own because I'm like, we're going to talk about this for way too long if I don't <laughs> do a video yeah, before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, no, I guess I see your argument, though. That And there has been leaks, remember, by the way, that the 3960X is called the 24-core. Or other way around. That the 24-core okay. is called the 3960X. Is the yeah. 30, yeah, yeah. I mean, so if that's true, the only other option would be if the 3970 and 3900X were... Well, it could be the 3970 is also a 24-core. No which, way. No Yeah, that way. would be weird. If that happens, again, I'll be like, I guess I'm wrong, but what the hell? <laughs> and again, if I look at video <laughs> cards here, they say there's no mention of a 3980X. And I like how WCCF Tech thinks they're sneaky for assuming that exists. I mean, guys, I don't know what to tell you. It would not surprise me if they just have a 24-core, a 32-core, and then a 64, and that's it. Why do they need a 48-core? They, they don't need to launch a 48-core. But yeah, if they're skipping the 80, that does sound like they're trying to make a demonstrably different like hierarchy. Like yeah. the 3990X is a bigger jump than the 3960 to the 3970. Or maybe it's just a 48-core and it gets its own platform and that's it. Yeah, so I, I think that's... They could do that. I wouldn't, but they could. That's very soft evidence that it might be on its own platform. I would say. I would agree, because it's two steps higher. Yeah, I wouldn't bet on that, <laughs> being why they would call that the 3990X. Maybe they just want to call it that because it's the highest end. But <laughs> I just always thought it would make more sense to start at 6. Because again, so the evidence does suggest the 3960X is a 24 core. But I just think it would make okay. so much more sense from a logical point of view if you start at 16 and then 24 and then a 32 and then you put a 48 to crush Intel. I don't get why, because I, I, I guess the way I think of it is you want to have a $1,000 entry point. And if they make the 24 core, do they want to sell that for a thousand bucks? Maybe. I mean, the 3900X is 500 and that's 12 cores. So why not? They could And that's what they did before, right? The 1950X was a 16 core for a thousand. And the 1800X was $500 for eight cores. So they could certainly do that. But I don't know. I just think, wouldn't it be fun? I don't know. Fun isn't the right word. Wouldn't it make sense <laughs> to have an $800 16 core as the entrance? I don't know. It does make sense. And maybe it's the 3940X, right? Or the 3955X. It's just not going to be at launch. Who knows? And I guess I don't know how they would distinguish that between like the 39. But oh, wait. Yeah, like the 3950X. I don't know how that would distinguish, like how they would. Which one would technically be more strong, like, like higher clocked? Just... If it was what they did before, the 1900X was an eight core that yeah. was, you know, used 50% more energy or so 
or more, I think, than the 1800X, but it had like a 20% higher base clock or something crazy. Mm-hmm. So, or 10% higher base clock, I think. What's the point of a 48? I don't know. Do you really need it? <laughs> you don't need to have a 48 core option. They might just go all the way to 64 to have it as like some kind of performance crowned mindshare chip at the very top because no <laughs> one's going to buy any of these. Yeah, and I guess my only problem is with having something like that is I feel like it eats into the what Epic is doing. Well, uh, what their Epic And I is. thought about this too. The rumor for wh- whatever it is, whatever the top one is, if it's 48 mm-hmm. or 64 cores, is that it's 280 watts. Well, you can get like 225 watt or in 180 watt, I think, 64 cores Zen 2 Epics for $4,000. It's somewhere around there. So why would you not just get Epic? You can't. So you can't overclock this either. What the hell would you buy this 280 watt Epic for? Yeah. I mean, they might sell it for half the <laughs> price. Maybe that's it. Maybe they're going to sell that 64 core for two thousand dollars, but it's the worst yields. Like maybe it's just like thirty seven hundred X yields of chiplets, and they're just like taking these and they're like, yeah, it's two eighty watts, but it's sixty four cores, and you can't overclock it. And if you want 64 cores and you don't care about power usage, here it is. I guess that might be it. And if they are doing that, there's no point in a 48 core either. It's like, this isn't for gaming, yeah. but it's a less efficient Epic, which I guess is the point. But I just, I think I would pay extra for the Epic personally. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess it's that motherboard. I'm be thinking just if you're expensive, I bet. If you're, and also for to some degree, I think if you're going out beyond 16 cores, like, very few people need more than 16 cores in there. <laughs> right. And maybe you want very, 24 very cores. People. I kind of do. And I want them to run it maybe four gigahertz and use 300 watts. And I'll get a big liquid cooler and it'll be fun. <laughs> but yeah. I have no need for more than that. And if I go to 64 yeah. cores, and I, then I want eight channels of memory, I would just buy Epic. Like at that point, you're buying, you're spending so much money on this rig overall. Well, it, and yeah, I imagine if you're at 64 cores, there's some hyper-specific task. Like you're probably... You're probably not personally paying for this thing if you're buying it. <laughs> like this Maybe. is for a business or research. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so again, why not get the more efficient Epic? Why not? It's... Yeah, I don't, exactly. I just don't. All right. But uh, moving on to some reader mail questions <laughs> here. I, Mardma, r- writes in just like you can if you support us on Patreon. He says, can the Zen 2 8-core chiplet be fabricated on 7 nanometer EUV with little effort to help with supply constraints? First of all, yes, a uh, seven nanometer EUV was built to be design compatible with seven nanometer non-EUV. So yeah, they could end up doing that and maybe sooner than we expect. The one thing I would say though, is if Zen 3 is design complete, I don't see why they wouldn't just switch everything to Zen 3 by the end of next year. Yeah, so just right now they're on their, uh, what is it? their risk production or something, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> But maybe they would yeah. do that. Maybe they would like literally, and then maybe I'll be wrong and they'll call seven nanometer EUV versions Zen 2 plus. That'd be hilarious. There we go. It could just be so mm-hmm. wrong. Right? But it would, but yeah, it's I not mean, really Zen 2 yeah. plus because Zen 2 plus, Zen 1 plus was a slightly newer architecture. So I yeah. would still claim I'm that, right that, that would sure. be if <laughs> that would be if they got stuck on Zen 3 for some reason and had to do a refresh, maybe. <laughs> or, yeah, but again, it's like, I don't see why Zen 3 would cost more to make. So why would they not just use Zen 3 if they're moving to EUV? I don't get it. Yeah. 
I really don't. Like, I don't see, I don't think it'd be any more expensive to make. So, yeah, they could, but I think they'll just use Zen 3. Uh, Lovial also writes in just like you can and says TSMC has announced that they are shipping seven nanometer UV products. Given that Zen 3 is design complete, do you think the Zen 3s in risk reduction are currently sampling out to hyperscalers like Google? Um, I've been told by a source that it should sample at the end of the year. Uh, I bet we will start to get leaked benchmarks January or something. So yeah, I mean, so guys, get ready for some big Zen 3 leaks. That's what I'm wondering too, is like, they're going to get at least 10% more IPC, I believe. It's like, hmm, Zen 3 might actually be a big gaming architecture that I didn't expect (laughs) it to be. Yeah. All right, let's see. What do we got here? We got four more reader mail questions. We're nice enough to write in and mail these to us, Dan. Yes, they they definitely don't just like message you on Discord or something. Or this Patreon, is definitely no. Yeah, they definitely didn't just Nope. Do that. Paul Revere gave all, this to all me. All are sent in by <laughs> All right. I Mardma again writes in and says, with regard to the decrease in performance resulting from security patches required by Intel's flaws, your data center source said that down the line it would be more important for data centers to upgrade because of downtime, not because of cost. That the data centers don't upgrade because of cost almost ever, which is, yeah, that's something I've talked about a lot. Thus, it's easier in the short term, or at least it was, for data centers to purchase 20% more of Intel servers immediately to compensate for the 20% performance loss from the initial security problems. Once the threat of immediate downtime is removed and the data center can focus on the threat of future downtime scenarios caused by more security flaws, the switch to AMD can be managed with less time constraints. At that is a long one, guys. At that point, do you agree that the downtime is more important than the money? Uh, so I think I'm just going to summarize this paragraph here. He's saying basically at what point I believe, right? I think the real question here is at what point is it doesn't make more sense to switch to AMD than to just buy more Intel. The downtime is never more important than the money, ever. That's when. But there comes a point where they run out of room. That's the problem. And that's what I'm told, is that server people have completely run out of room. So they've resulted to air-gapping some of their servers instead of applying security patches. And so what they've decided to do is actually remove half the security patches on as many servers as possible and have them kind of run it in the background. Now, if you listen to the last Broken Silicon, you would know that's still pretty dangerous, meaning they're going to want to switch to AMD soon. And I've said it. I've said it in multiple videos at Marma. Side channel and netcap broke the camel's back. It's over. I'm told from multiple sources they're accelerating their plans years ahead of time to switch. They are switching to Zen 2. They're excited about Zen 3 and Zen 4. It's over. Intel is going to lose some pretty big customers soon. Yeah, so I mean, I guess it's just when can they switch to AMD like as soon as possible? Like there's ways they can probably limit or completely eliminate downtime by. What I've been told they've done right now is actually took out parts that they were throwing away and put them back online. Okay. So they're air gapping basically, I guess, Nahelm servers and shit. Like, like the, honestly, I'm hearing of some really, really wonky things they're doing right now. So moving on, Lebo King Kilo writes in and he asks, 
the broken silicon on wireless VR. At around the 16-minute mark, you talk about purchasing windows from eBay and being careful about not being hacked. Can you give us some more information about that? And yeah, so I mean, I buy Windows, Microsoft Windows Professional from eBay for like 10 bucks, sometimes $5. The problem is sometimes they like, I'm not sure how it works, right? I don't know where they get these Windows keys, but I know sometimes they screw it up and they'll use Windows keys that have already been used, kind of like I bought Amazon. <laughs> One way I used to cash out <laughs> cryptocurrency is there was a website I think called dashcart.io or is it bit I think yeah, that's right. bitcart.io. And so I don't know where these keys come from. And the same goes for these Microsoft Office keys on eBay. What you got to do is they'll send you a link to the download and that's fine. It's just you're going to want to also search for it on your own individually and find the same link that matches the eight you're right. That matches the URL they send you in the email message, right? Because you you go to eBay, you buy Windows to Office, Microsoft Office 2019 for ten dollars. They'll they'll email you or message you a link to the download, and then they'll message you a key. You just want to try to find yeah. that link individually as well. I've never been screwed over before. The only thing that's happened before is they sent me a key that just straight up didn't work, and I'm like, this doesn't work. Give me my money back, and they always did. Yeah, it's just. If you're deciding to buy something that's semi shady, like like a ten dollar Windows key, don't click on the link they send you. And, and I think most of these people aren't gonna hack you. But I have seen some stories in the news. Literally, I've seen stories in the news where one big one that sold like to a ten thousand people, like installed a Trojan on everyone's device and tried to steal their info. Yeah, it's just. Make sure that if you're going to a source to redeem something, make sure you're going to a secured source. Like, there's ways that it, the link they send you could be, uh, like, uh, flubbed or fucked with that they can get your own information by going to those links. Yeah. So I don't have much info besides that. I don't think it's really worth doing a video on, right? Not to mention, if I did a big YouTube video on it, Microsoft probably wouldn't be very happy. <laughs> But I would just say, so this really isn't even for that. It's just if you buy any key on eBay, you know, just be careful with the links they send you. Yeah, yeah, be careful. (laughs) All right, Dan. Two more. Two more. Two more. Queen Bean 5G writes in just like you can if you support us on Patreon and says, any whispers about RDNA 2? I mean, we know it's going to be 7 nanometer EUV, and we know it's going to have hardware accelerated ray tracing, and that's going to be in the PS5. and. 99% 99% in the next yeah. gen Xbox. I mean, outside of that, I mean, I can I would only be able to tell you what I would do in one of my old school speculation videos I used to do when I made this channel, which is like, I mean, here's how big the die size could be. This is what <laughs> it could be. I mean, I would assume RDNA 2.0 is going to be you know, have GDR6 and HBM options, just like I hear actually is going to happen with the big Navi right now. I hear that that two it's gonna it might you know be able to use two fifty six bit GDR six and HBM two E for big for I guess what you will call the fifty nine hundred whatever the sixty nine hundred XT is I'll assume they'll use HBM three from what I'm told it sounds like Z Intel's graphics cards will use HBM three by the way so I guess that's actually kind of a big deal I just meant that uh, <laughs> at least for the professional cards so 
Yeah, by the time that comes out, which I think will be early 2021. I mean, that's what I'll tell you right now. I, I expect I expect 80 compute units and HBM3 there and hardware accelerator ray tracing. But none of that's yeah, confirmed. I think, Some of it's hinted at to me, but none of it's confirmed. Yeah, I mean, and I feel like the most solid evidence we have right now is just what we know is in the PS5 and I think the Xbox One, right? Like, we know there's going to be some form of yeah. ray tracing acceleration. Oh, there's definitely going to be ray tracing in both. I think they're doing because, it different ways, though. I think. Okay. I. I yeah, I mean... PS5, I, Sony has like explicitly confirmed that for the PS5, and I think they're suggesting that with the Xbox One. But well, I don't know. Yeah, the, but the the methods they do it may be different. Okay. Remember, a, everyone's yeah. like, "Well, it's going to be the same." They're both from AMD. AMD doesn't share info. I mean, <laughs> AMD didn't tell Microsoft their console was stupid because they can't, <laughs> which it is. The Xbox One X. No, I'm sorry, not One X. The Xbox, One X. One X is yeah, fine. The Xbox One was the dumbest design hardware I've seen in my life. Hey, what if we take some of this die size for graphics performance and use it for not enough EDRAM? Because <laughs> that's what there's multiple developers that said the 32 megabytes of you know L4 cache they put EDRAM. on there was not enough for more than like 900p. So like like yeah, even which is if, why so many games were at like 900p or variable frame uh, or variable uh, resolution. Like it doesn't even matter that it helped with the bandwidth problem. It it literally made it a constraint. It capped them at either 900p or from what I'm told 1080p with lower res textures and basically no anti-aliasing, which is what I've heard because <laughs> I've seen some games where they're like both run in 1080p, but the Xboxes looks crazy washed out. I think that was, think that was yeah. Grand Theft Auto. I don't know. That was Grand Theft Auto, I think. Yeah, Grand yeah. Theft Auto 5. I think that's what happened. Um, all right. Last question. Oh, shit. Obi-Wan Kenobi writes in, thank you, by the way, for fighting for the Force, uh, and says, well, <laughs> I would love to know what happened to HBM3 and why HBM2E was chosen over 3. So I assume you mean in regards to the stuff I'm talking about now. It's just, I would just say it's, it's just GDR5X, right? Like, why did NVIDIA use GDR5X with the 1080? Because that's what was on the table. Yeah, I mean, is there an already pre-laid out standard for what HBM3 is supposed to be, I guess? I think so. Okay, so, I mean... But it's not... So, I, I think it is, but I don't think it's all finalized, whereas I'm pretty sure you can buy HBM2E now. Yeah, I know. So what I'm saying, I guess, is the specific specifications for HBM3 weren't met, so maybe they had to call it HBM2E. And remember, HBM2E brings half of the benefits of HBM3, like taller stacks, little less voltage, and more bandwidth. And it's like, I think it's compatible with HBM2, so you could just put it on an HBM2 design. And that was the benefit of GDR5X, is it's just like, yeah, they made the 1070, they use GDR5 and the 1080 use GDR5X. But if they were to make that use GDR6, it's not compatible. I mean, yeah, I guess that's also a big factor. That Unless they design it to be like they did the 1660. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's also a big factor that I guess you could easily forget about if you're not one of the people designing the hardware. Yeah. Is I think it's just easier for them to do it that way so that they can have some that use HBM2, some that use HBM2E. But uh, I don't know. And, and part of that, I could be talking out of my ass. For all I know, they could just use HBM3 <laughs> with HBM2, to be honest. I haven't double-checked this before answering your question. But what I would say is, it's just because that's what's here now, right? That's what's here now. Yeah. That they're making HBM2E yeah. now. 
And the rumor is that they're going to bring out cards at the end of the year that have professional versions and non-professional versions. So, you know, that's why they use it. Yeah. All right. Well, that's the last question, Dan. Last reader mail. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else you want to talk about today? Um, I don't think so. I, um, yeah, no, I don't think so. <laughs> I guess the last thing I will bring up is just, you know, we, but we're on 18 now. We're almost to 20, 20 episodes. And this is popular. I already told you to review us if you're hitchhiking. But if you're not, if you want to consider not hitchhiking, maybe uh, getting your own bus ticket, uh, <laughs> you know, consider supporting us on Patreon. I actually, and I'm not kidding, some, for some reason in a three-day time, I had like five college students reach out to me and be like, hey, I don't have that much money. I, I mean, a lot of work gets uh, broken silicon. And then we also do die shrink. Yeah. Plus, I, like a lot of work is put into this channel. I mean, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. A lot of effort goes into this channel. A lot. Yeah, and I mean, like, I see it as a platform, a platform that's going to continue to grow. So if you want more content, or if you want the quality, or the ability to research the info we have to go up, right? So yeah, I don't know. Gerard, if if yeah. you can't afford to support us a lot, that's fine. Just re- that's it's absolutely fine. There's tons of content I use where I don't pay a dime. You know, just share our stuff. <laughs> and really, tell your friends to listen. Review us on the podcast apps. And if you really want that extra content, like the Discord or Die Shrink, it's $2 a month. And if you subscribe for one month, you can like get your fill. Yeah. But yeah, uh, I guess I don't have that much more to add. I think I'm tired. Yeah, me I'm too. Go make some chicken <laughs> parmesan and throw, throw some scraps to Reese while I'm cooking. <laughs> you guys should see her while she catches it in the air, by the way. Someday I'll make a video showing you. She's better at catching food than my dog. You haven't eaten yet, have you, Dan? No. I think it's time for some grub. Okay. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Yep. Broken Silicon, a PC hardware and gaming podcast, is predominantly brought to you by me, Tom, of Moore's Law is Dead. You can find all of my content, including videos, articles, and this podcast at www.moreslawsdead.com. And of course, it is also often co-hosted by my brother, Damn. And it is edited by my sound engineer, Gerard Cortez. You can find his contact information at www.moreslawsdead.com. You can also find the contact information of my article editor, Carbon Cry. Now, of course, if you want to keep the show running, I really do hope you rate me on your podcasting platform of choice. Share it with your friends. And if you have the money, but only if you do, consider supporting me on Patreon at Moore's Laws Dead. If you do, you get access to the Discord to talk to other enlightening people who work not just at AMD, not just at NVIDIA, but often in the server space and other computing areas that people often overlook. And of course, but without further ado, let me give thanks to my greatest supporters. On October 20th, 2019, the following people are at the 10 gigahertz or higher supporter level. Bootman, Hunter Drake, Dean, Ruckus, Justin Yant, Thomas Rupp, Tomas Faraz, Jesse Blanton, Jordan Betcher, Muhammad Al-Kawari, Matthew Brubacher, Prime Tech TV, Justin Parrish, Zachary Martin, Terrence Harrod, Carl Marco, Otterwise, Tech Thyrus, or The Ninth Dude, Greg Reniger, Kulin Lau, Daniel Cash, Night Rogue 77, Mechanical Philosopher, Lebo Kinkilo, Bollocks, Derek Evans, Matthew McMullen, Christoph Novak, Neil X01, 
Matt Salem, Aaron Close, Sexy, Scott Schaff, Frederick Lau, Alexander Delar, Alethros, Telos, Caden, Greg T. Wanchek, Jacob Barber, Exoti, Whiny Care Bear, Matthew Lane, Paul Jones, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Rubber Ducks, and Nick Neasy. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Sahara, for the great music. And have a good evening, I guess, or morning. I don't know.